following aviation podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast by thepilotreport.com about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode number 41, 2013 Flying Resolutions, Tailwheel Adventures, the 787, and more coming up now on this edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast. The Stuck Mike Avcast is a listener-supported aviation podcast. Visit stuckmikeavcast.com forward slash support for more information on how you can help. Now, here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Rick Felty, Carl Valeri, and Len Costa. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast, episode number 41. Joining me on the show today are my favorite group of aviation ambassadors. Starting right. first... A, a nice one. A nice yes. intro. Wow. Moving well, up in the world. <laughs> well, you know, after sharing that uh, interview with Ponce, I got to thinking about, yeah. you know, we kind of are in some way, you know, sharing all of this, these these stories and everything, you know, I sort of feel like an ambassador helping people realize their dreams, especially Carl on his podcast. So, you know, it's kind of fitting. Definitely. Yeah. And, and and because we're ambassadors, we get the big house. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Which we my, don't talk about much, but... Mine is nice. still being built, apparently, because... <laughs> I'm not there right now. Sorry. But, uh, nonetheless, uh, welcome uh, on the show, our first aviation ambassador, Mr. Carl Valeri. Welcome. Hey, thanks. Uh, it's just great to be here. I had an interesting day just jumping out of an airplane, actually, doing some emergency drills, and I'm just happy to be here. Well, tell us briefly, what do you mean emergency drills, jumping out of an airplane? Well, actually, I'm just uh, starting to learn how to fly a new airplane, an Airbus A320, and uh, maybe we'll talk about that in some uh, later episode once I'm finished with the course. But I had to learn how to, to actually get out of the airplane and exit through, you know, those big slides that come out the side of the airplane, uh-huh. and uh, it was it was pretty funny to watch. I actually came out and... Uh, you know, remembered back when I used to get into gymnastics and I jumped out the side and bounced off the slide and, you know, 260 pounds of me went airborne. <laughs> and I, I just heard everybody gasp and I just, I stuck it both, both feet right into the ground, amazed myself and everybody around us and everybody was holding their breath and they, oh, oh my God, he made it. And I didn't break anything. And so that that was my experience in in my little exit drill. There it was a wonderful day, uh, <laughs> and then trying to get me into the raft. It was like beaching a whale. You know, it was like incredible. So it was a you can you could imagine the 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 awe from people on the sidelines <laughs> watching this oh, this oh, big guy get oh, <laughs> So that was my fun filled day. I'm glad to be here because it was cold out and we had to jump in a pool that was freezing. So it was, but it was fun. It was interesting. It was educational, and I'm just so. So glad to be here in the nice warm inside temperature here at 72 degrees. There you go. Excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, joining us next on the show today is my other uh, aviation ambassador, Mr. Rick Felty. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Thank you very much. I should say that I would certainly be 
in the same beached whale category if I were trying to do that raft. I only made the humanity joke as a, <laughs> as a reference to the Hindenburg, <laughs> <laughs> which doesn't relate to anything except, uh, I suppose, well, a little small moment of aviation. Yes, it wasn't quite a disaster. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> nice. My case. <laughs> nice plug there. Nice plug. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's too funny. And um, we have a uh, another, actually, a new co-host this evening or on the show today. Uh, Victoria has been busy, busy, busy working with the Women Fly It Forward events. As, uh, as the listeners have come to know, she has recently taken on a position as a U.S. team leader for uh, Women of Aviation and is responsible for organizing and assisting organizing the events in uh, North America. So she is taking a short pod break while uh, she works diligently and hard and helping everybody get these uh, up and running. I think last I heard she was right around 30 states. So congratulations to Victoria. We will miss you, but we'll sure to see you back here later in the spring. So who we have with us today is sort of our um, our fill-in, if you will, our stunt double, although I don't know uh, if he has red hair or not, but uh, our friend Sean Moody. Welcome. Hey, Len, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I don't have red hair, but, you know, uh, whatever I have to do to uh, to fill the gap here, I suppose. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, why don't we uh, take a few minutes and, you know, Sean, tell us a little bit about yourself, you, you, where you started flying, or, um, you know, how long you've been flying, what certificates you have, and let's you know, take a few minutes to get to know you. Sure, absolutely. I'm uh, I'm a commercial-rated pilot. I've uh, been flying since uh, 2000. Um, got my, uh, most of my training started here in Lexington, Kentucky, um, did a little bit down in Jacksonville, Florida and finished my training off up in the Cincinnati area. Um, as I said, uh, got my commercial certificate, um, not really employed with it at the moment, but it's something I look forward to in the future. Um, and, uh, so right now I just sort of a recreational, you know, sort of, sort of hobby for me at the moment. Well, good. That'll actually lend into, uh, our, our discussion for the part of our discussion for the show today as well. So, well, great. Welcome again. We're glad to have you and uh, we look forward to actually Sean has also uh, volunteered to assist with some of the stuff behind the scenes, show notes and other things and what we hope to be an increase in some uh, product reviews and videos that we're going to be putting out, uh, hoping to put out some more of now that the uh, merger with the pilot report is all panned out and all that stuff. So uh, yeah, great to have you here, Sean. Let's do the pre-flight. Before we do get underway, we have a... Actually, I do want to make a quick announcement. Actually, we were just uh, offline recording a congratulatory um, recording for our friends at Plane Crazy Down Under who are just about to reach their 100th episode. So congratulations to uh, once again to Steve and Grant and everyone at Plane Crazy Down Under down in Australia for a job well done. 100 episodes, quite a milestone. So well done. Uh, well done, chaps. Very yes, cool. Well done. That's good. Uh, so, uh, Carl, your uh, your announcement today was it something Australian related? Ah, Did I yes, get it? it is. Ah, it was. Well, what as do you a, know? As a matter of fact, it is. And to, you know, just a, a quick note there: the the folks there at Playing Crazy Down Under are wonderful. They're very very passionate. They are the biggest, and in my mind, I think the only podcast in Australia to listen to right now. I mean, there might be other ones out there, but they they do a really great job. I, I really enjoy listening to you can the passion for aviation really comes out. But going on in Australia coming up soon, uh, what is it, like the 1st of March to the 3rd, if you want to go down and see uh, Grant and Steve, I think they'll actually be there at the uh, Air Show uh, 2013, and that's coming up here shortly. So if you uh, feel like taking, if you're in the United States and feel like taking that long journey 
was it over 14 hours or so of a flight time down to Australia, this might be a good place to go see. Now, this is this air show is actually at this uh, airport. It's called Avalon Airport. It's actually a newer airport, uh, and uh, it's in the um, you know the Melbourne area, Melbourne, however they say it down there uh, area. So uh, I know Melbourne, Florida, but uh, this is a terrific show because of the fact that there's so many different military aircraft and some great civilian air shows. And these, you know, aviation in Australia is actually pretty darn cool. They really are into it. And their air shows are tremendous. The uh, I've only seen them on video. One day I want to make it to one. Maybe I'll make it to this one. But they're going to have like the Royal Air Force will be there with F-18s and the Royal Navy. And what's really cool, and this is something that I thought was kind of neat because for me it's a different perspective, is that they have foreign military aircraft. Foreign military aircraft, meaning the US, United States Air Force, will be there. Hopefully, they're going to be there, actually. So the, they're going to confirm that. And even some of the, like the Royal uh, New Zealand Air Force and uh, some of the uh, Japanese Defense Force will be there. Terrific air show. Looks like a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of great general aviation and some terrific displays of both uh, aviation and the use of aircraft uh, in a military arena. So if you get a chance, take a look at the website. It's the Australian International Air Show, Air Show 2013, and we'll have a link to that. And hopefully you'll make it there. You're just a busy man making you know, plans to go to Australia, <laughs> Frederick for Women Fly It Forward, the Dubai <laughs> Air Dubai. Show, yep. oh, Oshkosh, yeah. Sun and Fun. I mean, where uh, do you find the time, Carl? Oh, dude, I have not been sleeping. <laughs> I'm supposed to actually be at an air show right uh, actually tomorrow. So I, I'm at I an air show not- right now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, a, I'm hopefully going to make it tomorrow to one, and uh, uh, but we'll see. We'll see. It's you know it's funny, but you say that, but in reality, it seems like I, I sleep a lot in the back of planes going to all these things. <laughs> it's about the only time I get any sleep. <laughs> well, I like to I like to joke when I knock the autopilot off to uh, hand fly the airplane. I I sometimes I'll say, "Oh, here comes the air show." So you know, sometimes <laughs> you just create your own at work. Like the other day, <laughs> when you're at seven thousand feet and you're cleared for the short approach, you're like, "Oh yeah, nothing wow. excites you more." <laughs> than just manipulating the airplane and uh yeah you know so nevertheless from experience len yes it is an air show after watching you fly it's true but um bum oh you know anyway i don't want to say anything about that but uh well thank you carl <laughs> thank you for uh, all your support there wonderful now entering cruise flight so uh we've got a fun show today actually i had uh just after the new year tweeted out and Facebooked, you know, what are your aviation resolutions for 2013? I thought I got a lot, you know, some some fun responses here. I thought I would share our listener responses for the folks that uh, that did give us their feedback. And then, well, you know, I think we'll talk amongst ourselves a little bit about what our own resolutions are. Uh, I think there might be some fl- some interest in flight training and um, obtaining new certificates and uh, Carl's getting a new type rating, so you know all kinds of things here. So uh, let's start off with uh, with what I have here. Eric uh, Eric said he's going to be working on his instrument and commercial rating this year. Uh, Steve said the same as Eric. I'm also looking to pursue my instrument rating and my commercial uh, for 2013. Ben said he wants to get his glider rating, which is really cool. Uh, I never did get a chance to go with Larry in uh, in the glider yet, but uh, would like to do that, get get my first experience in a glider. So that's cool. In fact, there's Larry's response. I'd like to do a commercial glider so I can give rides at my glider cup. Larry, sign me up. I want to be your first, even if I have to pay for it, whatever. I want to go on a glider. I've never been in one. 
Uh, Brent says he wants to fly more and fly a Stearman. In fact, Brent, you guys may have uh, just met if you listen to episode 40. A or uh, wait a minute, where am I? Episode, excuse me, thirty-nine A with Brent Owens of iFlyBlog, who uh, has built his own RV eight. So uh, definitely check out that audio interview and his website iFlyBlog. Um, let's see another uh, a different Eric says he's perfectly happy with what he has. He just wants to burn more 100 low lead. And he says, maybe push my luck with the inverted low pass over the ranch. So that sounds cool. Eric, uh, tell us. You'll have to write in or, or, or send us a, you know, a message. Flying inverted over the ranch, you have to tell us what aircraft you're flying. I think you might be in a Pitts S2, but I'm not sure. But I'd love to hear about that. Uh, Zach says he wants to finish his private pilot's license. What else do we have here? Sean, our our new uh, co-host, Sean, says he wants to work on his double eye. So that's something uh, something on your immediate list this year, Sean? It is, yeah. Uh, CFI initial. Um, I'm sorry. I yeah, said double absolutely. eye. Yeah, I meant that's all right. instruct CFI. <laughs> yep, One uh, eye at a time, Len. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I can't tackle that much. Um, yeah, absolutely. Anything I can do to uh, get, get a few more hours here and there, and I figure that's a, a good little weekend job I could pick up. And, sure. Uh, Anything to get get in the airplane more often and get somebody else to pay for it. You can't beat that. You certainly can't. You certainly can't. Uh, our another listener, David, wrote in that uh, he'd like to go flying a little more. And David's, I guess, I think he uh, just had his first airplane ride. Actually, one of our friends, Robert, gave uh, Dave a small airplane ride uh, sometime last year in 2012. So. Welcome to the club, Dave. I, I, you're going to love it. You know, Maybe you'll be interested in taking some lessons, but at least go for as many $100 hamburger rides as you can. Uh, who else do I have? I think one more. Uh, where are we? And then there was another gentleman that says he wants to get another job in the aviation industry. Not that his isn't good, but he wants to learn new things. So, you know, there it is. 2013, we just, uh, you know, we're in the new year. People always have resolutions. Forget the ones about losing weight and all that other stuff and working out. Let's talk about what are your flying resolutions. Uh, starting with Sean, since we touched a little bit upon working on your CFI, uh, tell us a little bit more about, um, you know, like I said, you, you just want to do that more of a part-time weekend thing to for just for fun, right? Exactly. Yeah. For, for now anyway, um, you know, I'd, I'd love to eventually transition into to flying full time. Um, but I figure it's, you know, a good way to sort of transition, uh, you know, get the hours in on the weekends. I've got a Monday through Friday job. So, hey, you know, even during the summertime, get the uh, get the evening flights and no better time to fly than uh, at sunset. Right. Right. Absolutely. Uh, what about you, Rick? We is is 2013 the year we might see you start the start the inch. Not the that not that we've been together so long that we've been nagging no, you, you for the last five years. Right? But I'm just you know, I know there's no, a lot of things been, going on. Well, you know, I remember there were some guys who were just getting their private right around the time I did on social media that I still am connected with, and they a couple of them immediately went out and, and did instruments. So they are they already you know jumped into that and. Yeah, you know, I I would say yes, and and to start slowly. One of the things I sure. think, as a as a stepping point, because what what I've been going through, my biggest challenge, and this probably is, people out there have have a you know, this is not an uncommon thing, is finding the time to some degree the resources, but for me mostly the time, um, given some you know some some extra things in my life that are, that have been happening that are very fun, um, it, it's been a bit of a distraction and, and in a good way. But uh, finding the time, carving out the time to get there just to do some flying. But then, 
um, also to pursue that instrument thing. And what I thought about is I knew we were going to talk about this. You know, what I what I did when I was doing my private, one of the things I did that worked for me, you know, is just sort of finding information is I signed up for the for the Sporties videos online. And uh, because a number of reasons, but you can watch them on, on, on mobile devices. I mean, it's, it's quite a great way to kind of get information into your head, you know, at various times, if you're killing time here or there or whatever. And I really found that useful. So soon after finishing my private, I did, I signed up for the instrument version. And so I have that. Um, and, and I, and I have access to that whenever I want. And so for me, I sort of said, well, okay, minimally keep, you know, for this next year, fly more because but I would say that 2012 was my lowest time uh, flying year since, you know, since training and, um, fly more and then, you know, get into that stuff. So at least even if I'm not with a, uh, you know, a teacher, you know, a CFI, um, in a ground school or in a plane actually doing stuff, uh, even if I can't get to that part, at least I'm getting my head full of the right stuff for when I can. So mm -hmm. it's like uh, maybe maybe my advice would be sort of I want to fly more and I want to take off, take little bites toward that goal. So that's that's the way I'm looking at it. That's good. Uh, how about you, Carl? You're actually mentioned, you know, you're getting a new type rating. You're learning a new aircraft. Uh, beyond yeah. what beyond that, I mean, and you can briefly share what you're able to share about that. Uh, but beyond that, do you have any additional uh, flying resolutions for 2013? Yeah, actually, I, my my resolution, you know, when you, you set goals, you have to be careful in any type of resolution because you have to really define it well. And what's interesting is I, I, I resolved that I wanted to get a type rating and something really cool. Now, my current employer is listening to this right now. And I, and w w the thing is, it's not the plane that I actually originally had my, my mind on in December because I actually started studying to get my type rating in a B-25 because I always wanted to do that. But then I got a phone call and uh, these folks said, hey, do you want to come work for us and uh, start training on the Airbus A320? So my, my design was to actually start flying a B-25 and get my type rating on that, bought all the books, started, was going to plunk all the money down, and then all of a sudden I get called to do this. What I might do, and we'll see if this happens, maybe I'll, who knows, maybe I'll get a type rating on both of them. My, my, uh, hopefully get my Airbus type rating in February and then start working on my B-25 and, and after that. But both of those will be interesting uh, things to talk about after I'm, I'm done with the process. Well, excuse us, Mr. <laughs> I want a B-25 <laughs> type rating. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, it's funny. I, I, did, I was kind of worried about sharing that, but uh, it's something I volunteered on a few B-25s yeah. and I got this opportunity and uh, I said, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to go for it. I got the pilot's operating handbook and started studying, and uh, which was good because it led into studying for the, my current airplane that I'm learning on right now. Right. And that's the Airbus. Totally different airplanes. You know, one's all fly-by-wire. The other one doesn't even have an autopilot. <laughs> <laughs> barely has an electrical system. It barely has an electrical system is right. Yeah. But, that's, but, you know, it's interesting because you really do have to define your goals because I, you know, I did that with airlines. I, I wanted to fly. My goal when I was instructing was to fly an airplane that had air conditioning and a toilet. And a toilet. And, I remember that. And, the toilet was really, important. And that was important, too, so I could keep, stay in the air longer and because uh, I got about an hour and a half, two-hour bladder. And so I got that. I got to that goal, and then realized, you know, there's more than than just this. Now, you know, I got the cokes and the and the everything else. But then then you move on to to other goals. But the the point is, when you make any type of resolution, is that just be very open minded and think that are you are you moving towards a goal that is similar 
that to what you really want to do. Like you say, losing weight, that type of thing. Well, maybe getting in shape is similar to losing weight, that type of thing. So, right. so if if you set a, a weight limit or something like that, you want to lose ten pounds. Maybe you want to get big and strong, and you may not lose ten pounds. You may gain weight because you got stronger. Well, similar in the aviation. You know, that's. Uh how is this going to turn into a losing weight conversation? But hey, losing weight's always good for weight and balance, you know? So there's no downside there. No, none at all. And, uh, you know, I have that I have that problem with certain small aerobatic planes that I can't do uh, full G-loading on them. You know, I can only do normal category because I'm a little bit heavier. Well, I mean, truth of the matter is that's ultimately and honestly why I started shaving my head was for the, you know, the extra seven ounces of hair that I could, uh, I wasn't carrying with me. I could add it to my weight and balance. (laughs) I thought it just made you look cool. (laughs) And, And I'm physically more aerodynamic. Nice. You know, for when I do fly those open cockpit airplanes. Both the same reasons you fly without pants. (laughs) (laughs) Did I just say that? (laughs) See, that was, yeah, that was a secret that I hadn't told it. Very very fusel. You know, it's my indoor, my indoor voice. (laughs) You know, what's funny about that, Rick, actually, (laughs) is uh, back in the day, um, there's stories about a particular airline or one of the ATRs, the uh, ATR. Uh, is it just the forty-two or the or the seventy-two, 72 Carl? Also. Yeah, also. Seventy-two also. Seventy-two also. Yeah. This uh, particular airplane, um, I guess, from what I understand from the stories I've heard, and Carl can Carl can back me up, but uh, I've only heard stories. They, well, yeah, not from personal experience, but apparently the the environmental system on that airplane was not very potent in the fact that during the summertime. We have heard stories internally of guys literally flying around in their underwear and their T-shirt because it's so bloody hot in the flight deck. Captain wow. underpants. <laughs> yep. Captain. So, <laughs> so when you say that, it has a certain relation to yes. <laughs> to work. But sure. uh, I, I that's creepy. <laughs> the only thing I take <laughs> off at work behind closed doors is my necktie. But but the rest is, I'm always wearing my pants at least at that job. Right. My, my after hours yep. job. You know, anything's possible. We know. We don't want to know. <laughs> well, that's why I said after hours. But nevertheless, so uh, my, you know, I was looking at, I was actually talking to Larry Overstreet just a couple of days ago on the telephone, um, looking into, he flies a, a Cub out of Hartford, Wisconsin. Actually, uh, when him and I late last year, when we did that glider interview that I did with Larry, that was at Har- uh, Hartford after we had rented that Cub and gone up to central Wisconsin, uh, I think it was central Wisconsin, um, the airport there for a fly-in lunch. And <clears throat> I called him and I said, you know, I'm looking to potentially, there's there's a couple of things I'd like to do this year. I'd like to do more GA flying because I've definitely been out of that for a while. Uh, and I would love to add more tailwheel time to my logbook. And the sort of my motivator behind the tailwheel time is of the stories you've heard me tell about the Super Cub up in Alaska, I have... I, I'm, I guess I don't want to brag, but I'm pretty fortunate and blessed to have access to that aircraft to go up there and use it whenever I want. Mind you, you know, I have to go all the way up to Alaska, but uh, if if that's the small price to pay to Poor go you. fly a Super Cub. <laughs> but no, what I'm getting at is, you know, I would like to have more experience. I'd like to feel more comfortable and more proficient in tailwheel aircraft. I'd probably have about 20 hours. Uh, so I'd like to do that and get a little bit more proficiency so that, you know, if it was ever to come for a uh, insurance issues that I could, I could take care of that. Um, the other, the really, the only other thing that might interest me is a seaplane rating. And to be honest with you, the only thing that's hold, held me back for the last sixteen years with a seaplane rating is it's just very, 
difficult to find one to rent. So, you know, you can get a rating, but there's not a lot of places where you can get access to an aircraft to stay proficient and stay current in a seaplane. So uh, I know our friend Mike actually just recently out in Las Vegas, just recently got his single engine seaplane rating. Congratulations, Mike. Uh, yeah, job well go. done. Good job, Mike. That's Woo! pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> in fact, between, between the Icon A5 and Open Airplane, I'm hoping to see an <laughs> A5 out there in the rental market here in the next, nice. uh, you know, six to 18 months. And that'll really, that, that'll be, that'll seal the deal for me. I will just, I'll go out and I'll do it if I can fly one of those and I can, you know, get access to one. Uh, nationwide, if you will, that would be great. So that's what I'm looking to do. You know, I want to, uh, I guess ever since I moved away from Virginia, uh, my friend there that had an airplane that we used to go once a week and just stay, you know, do instrument flights. I haven't had that since I've been traveling over the last year all around. And, um, it would be just really be nice to, in fact, um, I was just looking today locally here in the Chicagoland area, where can I rent an airplane? So, We'll see what happens. Uh, some, some... I, you know, I'll jump in and say that you reminded me of the tailwheel thing. Um, I actually, last summer, when I flew with Paul Santo Pietro, is one of our episodes we did, and I fly with him pretty much every summer at some point, I, I really thought, okay, now I need to just carve out you know, a week or two and go and, you know, and just go do that because that's, that's what he teaches in a beautiful spot, and uh, it, would be, it would be a lot of fun. So maybe that'll be part of 2013. Yeah, that'd be very cool. It is a lot, of, and he has. Uh, you flew with him in the bird dog. Oh, the bird dog. Yeah, but he but he teaches in a Satabria. Okay, yeah, the Satabria. So. Uh, I learned in the Super Decathlon, right? Which was a really fun airplane. You fly um, Super Decathlon, and we all know how airplanes perform in the winter time. Generally, a lot better than in the summer as far as uh, climb performance. But I first got in this Super Decathlon in a North Dakota winter. And we were at traffic pattern altitude before we hit the numbers on the departure end. And I was just like, holy crap, this thing climbs. That was a cool airplane to fly. But uh, I haven't done any low inverted passes over anybody's ranch in that yet. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, that's what, that's what I'm looking forward to. I, I, I want to do some more GA adventures this year. Maybe some weekend camping trips up in the UP or something, you know. Whole new, I got a whole new area to explore here, so. We'll see what happens. But, um, well, that's cool. Does anybody have anything else to add about their 2013 resolutions? I think that's about it, except uh, that anybody that has a resolution, just to uh, keep focused on it and, this is and true. do it. Just yeah. like, just like you know, with you know, Rick, I think just if you think about it, if you really, really, really want to do it, you'll do it. Yeah. And uh, just, just put a plan in place. Just don't leave it out there. Put a yeah. plan in place. Maybe even plunk down money or something. Maybe that'll mot motivate you even more. Sure, your wife will, will like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's always part of the equation. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so you, yeah. you, know, you know, can't shy away from that discussion. No, no. <laughs> you'd never leave your bedroom. No, um, for sure. <laughs> no, you know the other thing I should say too is I used to fly a Cirrus here a lot, um, and it's in a lot of the videos I did, and then that went private. And uh, I was speaking, happened to be speaking today to one of the guys who's um, who's sharing it. It's not a club, really. It's sort of a shared ownership thing. And uh, he wants, you know, he said, hey, let's go. You know, I want to take you up and stuff. So I'll hopefully get back in that plane because, you know, you know, you get to know a plane, a single plane really well. It's kind of fun to, to see it again. And I haven't been in that plane for more than a year now. It'd be okay. kind of cool. So that may happen this year. There's a Cirrus. I just found a Cirrus up here. Uh, there's, there's about four or five of them that I could gain access to. I don't know what the prices are, if it would be out of my 
right. out of my league, I but doubt um, it. that could be that could be fun. But I don't know. There's probably five or ten hours of training required in a Sirius if right. if I don't since I don't yeah. fly one. Right, but the downside is you get to train in a Cirrus. I mean, what? it's like fun. It's like what, what <laughs> Tupper always says: if you fail your check ride, the bad thing is you got to fly more. <laughs> this is true. That's a good. That point. would be tragic. <laughs> So, you know, Rick, that brings up another thing, too. Just think about this. The FAA lately has been talking about, you know, getting more people to fly, actual fly the airplane. I mean, they, you know, they had that SAFO issued uh, recently about manually handling uh, the airplane. Right. And by getting your tailwheel, by, you know, and, and you also land by doing more flying, getting your mm-hmm. CFI, everybody is, you become more proficient in actually hand flying. And that's something that the FAA has said, hey, listen, we need to look at that. We need to start actually using stick and rudder skills. And and everybody here seems like they're doing that, yeah. which is pretty cool. I'm a huge proponent of hand flying. And we've talked about that on previous shows, even at, uh, even at Carl's level, uh, you know, the level that we're at with Flying every day for an airline, I always at least fly to 10,000, sometimes 18,000 feet before I put the autopilot on. And depending on class of airspace, weather, and other you know external environmental conditions, uh, as to when I take the autopilot off for landing. But I love, I just love it. You know, it's like this is, I mean, this is this is this the dream that I have been looking forward to all my life. I want to someday fly a jet. So when I get in it, I sure as heck fly the jet. I don't just press the buttons. I, I really enjoy it. Uh, I know we're all very, like Carl said, very, um, very open to proficiency. And you know, tailwheel, Rick, you've you've got a couple hours in tailwheel anyway. I mean, did yeah. you, did you, could you feel or see the difference oh, in, yeah. in the stick and rudder skills that it required? Or you yeah. know, it was it's it's a lot more sensitive. I mean, tell us a little bit about what well, you thought I there. Wish- that's why it's kind of would be fun to go back because I the experience I have in in the Satavia was early, so um, and what I learned was that I was well too, I learned a couple of things but I learned that I was sloppy when I, you know on, on the planes I was learning in <clears throat> because I had to you know just taxiing just um, you know how how to play the rudders and all that and uh, but you know knowing how to nose hold the nose on on. Uh, on the takeoff roll and mm-hmm. and all that stuff is is fascinating. But the other thing I learned is just how to because you really feel connected with the plane. Which I, at the time I was in a Cirrus a lot, which is great. I loved it. It's a beautiful thing, but it's um you know it's it's comfortable and you're you know there's something about being in a, in a small tailwheel plane, you know windows open, you know and and cruising around and because mm-hmm. what happened was the the instructor Paul you know, from behind me, he goes, he's like, kick, kick those rudders, you know, just like he really wanted me to, to manhandle the plane, like, the, you know, take control. Sure. And yeah. at the time I was being careful with a very expensive Cirrus, you know, <laughs> so I was learning to be careful and I'm a careful guy anyway. So that's where I was leaning. And what the Satabri experience did was, was teach me to, to control it, you know, to, to be, to, to, you know, be one with it and, and, you know, move it around, see what it'll do, push the edges, find those edges, mm-hmm. feel them, you know, and, and, it, and I didn't fly it a lot, but that's what I got out of it. And then, so when I went back, I was actually much better at doing what I was doing during my training after that experience. So well, that's good. now it'd be fun to go back and do it again, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, I had, I had gotten the endorsement some, uh, shoot, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. Uh, and it wasn't really until this recent trip to Alaska in February of 2012 that I did the ski plane flying. I actually got in the airplane and just for the first time sort of felt comfortable in the tailwheel, like it was natural and it wasn't, you know, I wasn't thinking through it as hard. So that's, that's one of the things that excites me to get back in it this year 
and do a little more flying. Um, and, uh, and you know, I like, I guess because, you know, the other thing is for calling, we go high and fast all day long, and I just want to go low and slow and sniff the, you know, sniff the flowers and the treetops on my days right. off. You know, that's what I'm that's what I'm looking for. So I think a cub would be a good, uh, you Very know, cool. a good plane to rent for me this year. But yeah. well, fun. Sean, do you have any experience? Or Carl, I didn't ask you guys either, but Sean or Carl, any experience? We'll start with Sean in uh, tailwheel aircraft since we're talking about him. No, I took one ride in a cub at, uh, at a little fly in one time in uh, central Ohio. Um, and just, uh, one quick trip around the pattern. And, uh, and actually I was, I was just a passenger on that trip, but, uh, but it, it was a blast. I'd love to get a little bit more experience doing that, especially like you're talking about in the pits or something like that, where it's, uh, not only tailwheel, but aerobatic. Sure. Uh, that'd be a dream. Uh, yeah, Carl, but, how about you? You know what? I actually, I, I've flown a lot. I don't think I have my endorsement. I'm pretty sure I don't. I was looking for it the other day. I had thought I did. But yeah, I have a lot of friends that have uh, tailwheels. So I, I played around with a super decathlon with a buddy of mine, you know, doing loops and rolls and stuff like that. That was years ago. And uh, and then when I started getting into aerobatics even more, there's a thing called a Cap-10B. I flew I started, one. Yeah, isn't that cool? Yeah, it's a fun airplane. It's, a, the, it's got the wooden propeller. You got to be careful when you slow down; it doesn't stop, because then you have to start it again. But uh, that's a wonderful little airplane. And the other one, I always wanted to fly a Cub, uh, but I flew a Champ for a little bit. Okay. And uh, that supposedly is somewhat similar. I don't know. I I don't know much about Cubs, so that's one of my goals to get in the Cub. But yeah, those those are the. I think that and uh, I think that's a. About it, there was uh-huh. something else, maybe a Swift or something. I don't know. I can't remember. There, there was maybe one more, one more in there. But uh, they're really cool, though. It really makes you use your rudders and think about what your feet do. <laughs> hugely, hugely. Because yeah. that's the one thing that I found in the Super Cub that yeah. uh, you know was the thing that reminded me. I'm like, you need to use rudder in 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 this particular airplane. And I think it was the same in the Super Decathlon, but again, I haven't flown that one in about eight or nine years. But it's like really sensitive too, even though it requires you can tell when the airplane is not. Uh, um, oh, well, what the heck? This the words escaping my mind. Coordinated. Excuse. Coordinated, thank you. Yes, when it's not yeah. coordinated, but you know, if you push the rudder like you do in a Cessna, you you darn near tail slide the airplane out right. of the sky. <laughs> it's unbelievable how sensitive <laughs> it is. Yeah. But I go ahead. No, well, it's just Paul, Paul told that story in that episode, but I don't know if people heard it, but it was just, he, it's quick. He just, he, he had a new student coming in and um, uh, they were, I don't know where they were at at this moment. I think they might've been in the plane and, or they were looking at the plane and she said, oh, I don't, they pointed, she pointed to the rudder pedals. I don't, I don't really use those. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure there was not a first lesson. <laughs> well, yes, you do. Yeah. So Speaking and she was, cause she was coming from tricycle gear and had gotten to a point where, you know, well, she was. Just barely touching them, probably. Right, right. And, you know, speaking of the whole tailwheel thing, there's something I think we need to to mention underlying here is if you're going to get your tailwheel endorsement, there's the endorsement and then there's proficiency. And what you hope to do is get somebody, get with somebody that is really good at teaching the tailwheel and and won't sign you off unless they feel you're really proficient in actually flying a tailwheel aircraft and then go back to that person and mm-hmm. and fly with them even more there's there's some great people around the country that that can do some tailwheel training just like you know Rick's friend and uh, there's a guy up in Andover Aeroflex in New Jersey and he actually did that you know that tailwheel 101 video he did another one after that uh, Damien he's really terrific and so you really want to go out there and and find somebody He's not just going to sign you off. They're also going to actually get you to fly it properly. Well, and there's uh, – I may have 
pretended to research this when I talked about the Alaska um, Alaska flying, but the friend of mine up there, this the school that he went to is called Alaska Cub Training Specialist. It's youflyalaska.com. And uh, if you're up in that area and you want to do some, not just some tailwheel flying, even if you're on vacation, it's kind of fun to go on vacation and maybe, you know, get an endorsement while you're out there or a rating or certificate. Uh, if you're in Alaska and you're traveling, Alaska Cub Training Specialists out there in the uh, greater Anchorage area, they've got uh, a couple of cubs out there and they'll take you, you know, won't just work through, uh, you won't just do tailwheel flying, but you'll do tailwheel flying out in the bush. So you kind of get your, you know, too bang for your buck there. So that is, uh, I, I don't think I ever did take the time to actually go and get that website all those episodes ago, but it's youflyalaska.com. It's called Alaska Cub Training Specialists. And a uh, great group of guys over there. I've met them, spent a lot of time up there, and definitely worth, uh, you know, a good group of people there to to spend some time with. So um, cool. Well, let's, uh, I wanted to sort of, we don't, often talk about a lot of newsworthy items we talked about the air france accident uh you know at the beginning of our show many many moons ago but there's there is something that's you know going on lately it's been in the news every day for at least while we're recording this show sean uh tell us what you were you know what you were looking at what you were commenting on Sure. Um, just obviously, uh, anyone who's following aviation right now is looking at the uh, the 787 and the problems it's running into, um, the the battery problems and now fuel leaks. And of course, I guess the FAA has uh, has grounded all of them here in the U.S. after uh, the uh, Japanese airlines did that. And you know, I'm just kind of wondering whether this whether this is being blown out of proportion. Or, you know, have other airliners had similar problems on their debuts and it just hasn't been as big a deal because maybe people weren't paying as much attention or is this, uh, is this pretty bad, you know? Uh, what do you think, Carl? I, my opinion on this one is the fact that yeah, I think every airline has had problems. The only problem with this is the fact that there was smoke in the cockpit and there was smoke in the airplane. You know, for instance, we... Uh, uh, I remember when certain manufacturers or certain operators brought on the the Embraer aircraft. You know, they go by like 145, 170, 190. They used to joke and call it the Embraer 180 because every time you took off, you had to make a 180 and come back and land because <laughs> something went wrong. And and that's that just shows you that there's a lot of issues. They had issues with with actually engines shutting down, those type of things. These are things you know that sounds like a big deal, an engine shutting down. But but I think something that scares most people more than anything else is actually fire and flight or smoke. And I think that that's one of the reasons. And and I'm not diminishing this at all. One of the reasons they're really looking at this because you really don't want anything burning in an airplane in the air. No, because you know it's kind of tough to put that out. And uh, as a matter of fact, that's what I was doing all day is putting out fires, uh, practicing. And they really, I think, did the right thing here to actually to, to pull over and say, hey, wait a minute, let's, let's look into this more because there's obviously a problem here. Uh, I don't think it's been blown out of proportion in the press, but I don't think – I don't watch TV much. But it seems like they're, they're doing I, – I, I think they're taking the right action. I really do. If, if something's burning in an airplane, they need to stop that. And just a, a further uh, on this whole battery issue, that does happen sometimes. Batteries do melt and do uh, burn up. And uh, but this is kind of odd with something that's a, a brand new airplane. You, you, or you're, most people would think it's odd. You know why is this? Why didn't they work out the bugs? Even with all of our 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 knowledge and all this new computer design, 
you know, it's not till it gets in the air and it actually flies that we know it's going to fly. Right. That's just the way it is with everything. It's not even just yeah. airplanes. It's, you know, I think all products out there. Sure. And let's not forget, you know, the A380, the issues they had with uh, engines and stretch fractures and stuff when they, you know, came came to market. I think, uh, you know, Sean, you're in media. I think what, what we what the difference is is there's just so much more media in this day and age that you hear about, you know, once uh, one news outlet puts something out and everybody kind of picks up on, especially something as major as grounding an entire, uh, you know, an entire aircraft line uh, mm-hmm. worldwide. Yeah, that's kind of, I mean, it's kind of a big deal, I suppose. But yeah. uh, so Absolutely. Now, they're, they're grounding this airplane, if I understand. It's not only the battery, there's other issues. Uh, or is, it, uh, is that the main? Because I know they had fuel problems. Yeah, what did you read? I didn't read the article. I I yeah. just I got as much as the battery stuff. Right. Uh, uh, there was a. I believe there was some kind of a fuel issue as well on one of those Japanese airliners. Yeah, uh, at, Lo- at Logan. Right. Both the right. battery and the battery and fuel things happened with two different planes, back to back days at Logan. Those were so, both there. Okay. Yeah, and it was. Because so for me, I was just going to say, not only is it mainstream media, but that I was watching, you know, Twitter and other things sort of, you know, ripple it around real quick, which sure. is an, another thing that that's true today. So mm-hmm. that's where I had heard, and I for a while I thought, well, that that can't be the same plane because the the first incident was the battery, and clearly that kept it on the ground, and it was not in service. So then I realized, no, it's just the second plane was different. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I'm sorry, I interrupted Sean. No, not at all, not at all. Uh, it was some kind of a fuel leak. I'm looking at it right now. Um, uh, Japan Airlines reports fuel leak. Um, and this was actually, this was at uh, Narita in, um, outside of Tokyo. Uh, so that's so the I second guess, one. Right, right. Uh, um, so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I guess it's it's happened a, a few consecutive days. It just kind of raises some eyebrows, and especially like you are saying around, uh, you know, Twitter, Facebook, that kind of thing. That stuff really uh, spreads like wildfire once yeah, it hits those. It sure does. And Carl hit it right on the head. I, they, I, for me, the scariest thing, and I'm, I don't remember how long ago I might have mentioned this on the show, but the scariest thing for me is fire on an airplane. And I remember when I was going through college, we had uh, one of the courses I was taking. We were, you know, you learn all kinds of various things uh, about aviation. We happened to watch a video about a, you know, a test fire that was set, and it can, it can consume the aircraft and literally, you know two, three, four, five minutes max. Because what happens is in the airplane, if it, especially if it's closed up, if you start to have uh, some sort of spark or you have a flame and all of a sudden uh, as, the, as, the, as, the, as it spreads, there's this phenomenon referred to as flashover. Basically, if, if you get to a certain temperature from the fire that everything sort of just spontaneously uh, doesn't explode, but like combusts and also becomes consumed in flames. And it scared the living crap out of me. I'm like, you know, an airplane can be torn apart in 90 seconds by a fire. And that is, you know, how quickly can you get down on the ground in an emergency descent? I don't right. know if it's 90 seconds, but that scares the hell out of me. I'll tell you that much. Wow. And I don't know much about about the the science behind this, but you know, a, a composite airplane versus you know an aluminum. Uh, you know, you guys are more experienced on the airliners than I am. What what kind of difference do you guys think that would make? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't I'll know. I'll have to defer that to our engineer friends. I'm gonna. Uh, that's a good one to table. Yeah, we well, could shoot as far as fires concerned. One of the guys who who was work. You know, who, the composite guy we know. That's right. Do you know one? John, uh, John, right? Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, that'd be interesting. I guess I've never thought about how does uh, carbon fiber burn versus sheet metal. That's in, that could be that could be interesting. Good gosh! <laughs> you know, the first place I actually saw the seven eighty seven was in Logan, Rick. Uh, we were I was riding the jump seat. I think I was riding the jump seat um, from there out to the west coast, and we're pushing back off the gate. And like the three of us are looking out the window, looking at the, it was a, it was the JAL, the Japan Airlines seven eighty seven. We're looking at this airplane and. I'm, he goes, is that, a, is that a new 767? And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, the nose is different. And I'm like, something's not right. This is not your typical Boeing. And as I started to work my way from, from the nose of the airplane back, and I saw the engine, you know, the engine cowling on the 787 is pretty, um, pretty pronounced that that's what mm. it is when you see those, uh, those you know, scalloped edges on, the, on mm. the, the trailing edge of the engine there. And I was like, oh, guys, that's a 787. And it was like... It was cool. It was uh, definitely. Has anybody else seen one in person? Uh, not oh, in person. Yeah. I have not. Nope. They, I mean, obviously you can't compare it to the A380, but when you think of, you know, the A380 was one of the more recent airplanes to come out, and then there's the 787. The 787 is not. Uh, it's not a big airplane. It's probably, comparison-wise, it's about the size of a 757. But it it really is aesthetically beautiful. I mean. The nose, the windows—it just—it is a it is a sharp, sharp-looking airplane, and full of composites. Yeah, what it, what and, do you, there's like the majority of it's composite, if I recall. Yeah, that's that's what I understand. You know, it's interesting. Speaking of composites and burning, I know that there was a, a study done about uh, the different toxic fumes, not as far as the airplane's concerned, but as far as like ARF or airport rescue and firefighting, right. and what type of fumes that they they would have to deal with. What new types of things that they would have to deal with as far as the fumes and trying to ward off any environmental hazards from the burning uh, composites. Yeah. yeah the, was, um, the Logan incident, just to tell you, the, it was 40 gallons of fuel spilled um, from the number one engine on the runway. Ew. So, so there, yeah, the, the airport wasn't too happy, I'm sure. Meaning there was a, there was a bit of work that had to be done. Uh, and then they taxied back. So, And I think they ended up leaving. They ended up feeling comfortable they could fly that one the other one i'm pretty sure didn't yeah. go out right away yeah fuel spills are a pretty big deal even on the ramp you'll see uh, you'll see arf out there and i mean it has to be cordoned off and has to be cleaned right. up and it's it's a it's a huge deal um which is funny because you think of when you were back in the day you know taking flight training and you got that fuel sump and you just toss it you know tossing it over there on the ramp right. and right. but uh, yeah it's it's a it's a big deal so so this brings me to another question. Now, bring it to you know us in the GA world. You know, do you really feel comfortable with a new airplane? You know, that going out and flying it, hmm. and uh, you, you know, think like about a, a new, it. brand new, like new a designed new airplane. Yeah. yeah, new designed airplane. I mean, I remember when they brought out the new Cessnas. I got to actually fly one, and my first, I got to put. I was an hour number four and a half on the airplane, and and kept having little burbles and stuff like that on the engine, hmm. and uh, something with the fuel that we had to figure out. But I mean, how how comfortable do people feel? It's almost like it it's not, but it seems like in my mind, flying an experimental aircraft when you get into a new designed airplane, right? You know, no it's matter what it is, yeah. And I've never, I, I've never you, flown a new like the Cirrus. Sort of. I mean, when they yeah. first came out, people, you know, I, I'm sure they had, I know they had certain issues, but uh, people also were buying these things and they were having problems with, you know, over controlling them on landing and then, you know, having problems with the nose wheel, that type. But that was more of a pilot training thing right? that they were realizing they really need to get out there and do a little bit better 
that are training on, on folks that were actually flying these new slick aircraft. I think that's that's the biggest problem. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't uh, I'd have to think about that a little bit more as far as, you know, it's nice to have that new airplane smell. Um, but, you know, just like when you get an airplane back from maintenance, you feel, feel a little bit of, you know, animosity or whatever towards this airplane. You're like, oh, I don't know. You know, or reluctance to get into this thing and say, I don't sure. know if I really want to do that or not. I don't know if I want to fly this airplane. <laughs> you know? I think as long as I watch somebody else fly it first, then I'll hop in. I, th- I think that's my, uh, that would be my standard procedure. So let somebody else deal with the risk. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll let that be the test pilot. And <laughs> that's they can prove awesome. it and then I'll hop in. That's, if I, that, if that's I, so if, generous of you, Sean. If I was with somebody who knew the plane, like if, you know, CFI, who knew it way better than I? Even if it was new, I'd 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 be okay with that. Yeah, it's so sort Sean, of how, how many hours CFI. you got to put in it, you know? Yeah, really. And and you know, I was gonna say, Sean, when you get your CFI and you start working for somebody, and they ask you to go test fly the airplane, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be that first guy. Aren't I? <laughs> You're gonna be that first guy. <laughs> uh, hey, could you test fly? We just put a new elevator on the airplane. We just put a new <laughs> engine in the airplane. It needs to be broken in. Be careful. Mm-hmm. You know, don't overstress it. <laughs> I might I might have to pass that one up. I don't know. <laughs> It's not as bad as it sounds, but you know, just think about it. You know that that's it. There's a, a sinking feeling in your gut when you get something brand spanking new off the line, and it's it's how does this thing operate again? Yeah, that type of thing. So I I you know. rotate, and then you I guess pass the point of no return. Then, <laughs> yeah. then you don't think about it as much. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So here it is. The 787 is grounded worldwide. By the time you listen to this show, it may be airborne again. But uh, that's it's, oh, go ahead. Speaking of the 787, does does uh, does it, who besides United? Who else is getting them? Uh, in, in the, the US. U.S., I'm not sure. I know that they have like 50 some odd that, uh, and, and roughly like six or seven that that are actually flying now. Um, they actually just had a major milestone uh, in the month of January where they did their first uh, um, trip to Japan in the 787 because they had to do so much, like, I don't want to call them proving runs, but so much domestic flying to just make sure everything is up to speed and, you know, whatever internal tests and tracking they have to do before they could send it across the pond. And I know that they just had that, uh, you know, with uh, within the last couple of weeks in January of 2013. but. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure who else is getting them here in the That's US. That's the only one I've heard of. Yeah, I think yeah. they are actually. Yeah. I don't think anyone else is. Um, this is pretty cool, Len. Us talking about news, and this is the reason that we we don't do news. It seems like we need to become a little more prepared here with all these news stories. <laughs> well, there's a lot I'm of them, kidding. and they change all oh, the time. Oh gosh, right? there's tons of them. Yeah, they, they they really are. And and you know, it's interesting because we don't really talk too much aviation airline news. But there are certain things that do have impacts, and 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 right. actually we can learn from. I think in general aviation, right? Uh, like you know the new paint job on American Airlines. I mean, there's something oh, right there that relates that there relates to GA right there. Uh, you know what <laughs> not to do when you paint your airplane. Uh, I'm just kidding. I think I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, the jury's out in my mind on that one. Uh, I think it's cool. I like the front of it. I'm not sure about the back, but huh? I. Uh... I don't know if anybody from American is listening, but I don't like it. Well, I'll say, you know, new stuff is is tricky at the beginning. So if we still hate it in a month, then maybe we do hate it. (laughs) But there's a lot of mixed reviews on the Internet. I I think it's kind of flashy, but the tail, I don't know, the tail looks like a 
like a, a botched flag, you know, U.S. Well, just, flag. It's just, I don't know, there's something that doesn't really flow yeah. for me. And, and I'm not that visual. You, you're more of a visual, um, you know, artwork type of person, Rick, with all well, the media that you deal with. And it just doesn't well, whoever, please me. Yeah, whoever did that tail, I mean, it, they it, they stepped back and said, let's just ex- let's let's extend the tail, you know, from the side, right? Those stripes just yeah. go down. Um, I don't know, you know, I don't know what justifies that or why I do that. Um, so that's an interesting thing. I, yeah, the logos I think kind of cool and simplistic and looks like a number of aviation related things. So I don't sure. know. We'll see. But uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, there are worse. I've seen worse transitions where, or I've hated them more. But well, well it, was we'll ni- see. it was nice of them to uh, repaint the airplanes in a new livery just before they're going to merge with U.S. Airways. And all well, yeah, that. exactly. <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll show them. Let's we have, paint them right now. We have some extra money we need to spend. Uh, yeah, exactly. Quick, quick. Let's let's. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Oh. Our picks of the week. <laughs> Let's, uh, let's move along to our picks of the week. Sean, tell us about your pick of the week. Sure. Uh, mine is a, a website that I've kind of looked at uh, a lot over the years, gotten you know, some guidance, that kind of thing. It's called uh, jetcareers.com, and they're, you know, they have kind of testimonials from, uh, from pilots of all, you know, airline pilots, GA pilots, cargo pilots, uh, and then they've got forums that are you know, pretty active by that same sort of range of pilots, you know, those that do it recreationally up to those who you know, fly cargo for international airlines, that kind of thing. And um, it's, it's a great place for anyone who's uh, either starting out and looking for guidance or who you know, is, has already sort of made it in the industry and just wants to, to you know, continue the conversation online with, uh, with other people who can relate. Um, I'm not real active on there, but I certainly uh, I like to be on there and, and sort of absorb the, uh, the conversation happening mm-hmm. there. Cool. Uh, Rick, your pick of the week. I'm going to do two real quick. The first one was that story I was going to tell about. Oh, that, that's uh, right. There was a story. No, it's just funny. So, yeah, my one pick of the week is the uh, uh, Scottish Airline. Um, hang on. I had the name here. Uh, it's probably the only one of the only Scottish Airlines. I don't know how many there are. Logan, <laughs> Logan Air. Uh, and they just won the contract for the what's being called the shortest um, commercial uh, flight route in the world. Um, and it is between the airfields of Westray Airfield and Papa Westray Airfield. Those are two islands that are on the very tip top of um, of Scotland. Um, and uh, they, you know, it's not just that route they're going to fly, but the the flight is it's a it's one mile, and it, if the winds are right, it can last about forty seven seconds, wow. which I think <laughs> is hilarious. Um, and I guess they fly. It reminds me of the Alaska stuff we were talking about last week because they're flying uh, school kids back and forth. I mean, it looks like from what I see on the pictures I'm looking at, these islands are so small they don't really have uh, major ferry routes between right. them, or, right. or you know, they have smaller boats. But to get a lot of people around, they're relying on planes, and I just think it's kind of cool. So if you Google um, Logan Air or Westray or Papa Westray, you'll come up with a video of that flight and uh, and you know what they're flying and what the runways look like. It's kind of it's kind of cool. So that was just. <laughs> I don't know if that's a pick of the week, but I wanted to mention that. I thought it was funny. Um, pick of the week is uh, sort of we were talking about Australia a couple different times today. Um, this book I got a while ago, and I have, I have not made it all the way through it, but I've liked what I've read so far. And it's called Great Flying Doctor Stories. Um, <laughs> and, it's by, and you know it's good because it's by a guy named Bill Swampy Marsh. That's <laughs> Swampy Marsh. <laughs> yeah. And the that's fact good. that his parents gave him that middle name, you know, good on them. Anyway, just kidding. So uh, royal. Fl- so basically, this is the um, this is a story. These are real stories about uh, the Royal Flying Doctor Service of Australia, which has been is still in existence and has been in existence for a long time. Basically, you know, 
somewhat essential to get, you know, um, doctors and the supplies where they need to go and people where they need to go to uh, stay healthy or stay alive. And so there's a lot of heroic stories and a lot of, as you can imagine, wacky, fun Australian stories in this book. And um, so if you're interested in some of that, uh, you know, back back roads uh, flying and off, you know, off uh, field flying. Um, it's a great, it's a great book. Uh, so it's called Great Flying Doctor Stories and it's by Bill Swampy Marsh. Well, I have a book too, and I don't, I've, I've heard about this for a long time and I'm not sure if the rest of my co-hosts have heard of it, but it's called Fate is the Hunter. Has anybody else oh, heard yeah. of this book? Uh, yeah, I awesome. believe I have. Is it, tell me what it's about and I will confirm. Well, it. see, that's just it. I just, uh, started reading it, but from what I gather, uh, the author is Ernest K. Gann, uh, hmm. In fact, I'll just read you the, the description I'm reading here off of Amazon. But uh, the classic memoir is an up-close, thrilling account of the treacherous early days of commercial aviation. And is, um, Gan, or Gan brings you right into the cockpit recounting both the triumphs and terrors of pilots who flew when flying was anything but routine. And the first couple of chapters I've made it through are, you know, him about learning... Uh, learning to fly these airliners from back in the day. And so far, it's a pretty interesting mm. story. And it's kind cool. of funny because I've known about this book probably for my entire flying career, uh, you know, in the last 15 or 16 years. And I just happened last late last year when I was traveling back and forth to California. I'm like, I should get something to read on the airplane. And I went over to Barnes & Noble and picked this book up. And uh, so far, I like it. But Fate is the Hunter by Ernest Gann. Uh who, if you haven't checked it out, I, I recommend it. So far, it's pretty good. It's definitely entertaining, and cool. his his authorship, his his uh, you know written words are an art form in their self, in, you know, in and of itself. So I bought it for not just the entertainment purposes, but uh, you know, to enjoy and observe some storytelling and and the art form of uh, you know captivating people with words on paper. It's definitely you know from that standpoint, it's also an interesting book. Um, so Fate is the cool. Hunter. Check it out. Uh, who did I miss out here? You know, we have, that, oh, Carl, go ahead. Just first. on that Fate is the Hunter thing, you know, has anybody seen The High and the Mighty? Because that was that with John Wayne, The High and the Mighty? No. It's oh, in my Netflix queue, but I haven't watched oh, it yet. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. Actually, it's funny because a lot of times in the movie, uh, we use that to talk about crew resource management. Right. Where, you know, John Wayne slaps the captain in the face and says, no, this is what we're doing. And something I've always wanted to do. But anyway, the, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. And what he's not the, telling is you, that's the way he treated me when we flew together. But <laughs> I've never gone public with that information for, for certain reasons. I, I've been bribing him, and that's how I've been, you know, affording all this podcast equipment. So, or blackmailing him, I should blackmailing, say. Blackmailing, actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is there something illegal there? No. no. The, uh, but no, you know, he's got this other but you know islands in the sky and and you've seen islands in the sky also no maybe no. am i dating myself these are like movies from the 1950s i like old movies islands in the sky and the, you know all, a lot of it was based on on the book by ernest gone fate is the hunter you know they actually took it and made it a screenplay mm -hmm. and uh, cool. made it a disaster film as a matter of fact that's like in that famous movie airplane uh, the mm -hmm. same actor that's an airplane was also one of the actors was in High and the Mighty. Which one? And I'm trying to remember the name. I knew you were going to ask. Was uh, it Stryker? <laughs> it was, well, it was, it was he, uh, Stryker was actually. Well, it wasn't the, Lloyd Bridges, right? <laughs> was, no, I mean, Lloyd no. Bridges was one of those guys. In, he, in the he was, he was. But, but it was the other, it's the. Um, the it's guy the that. Guy. Yeah, he was, he was the captain, actually, who, okay. who John Wayne slapped in the he's face. Cool. But he's, he's like. 
he's like, I, you know, picked the wrong time to stop smoking glue. Or no, that wasn't. Yeah, yeah, anyway. no. Well, yeah, it's a, no, picked was, a hell of a day to quit amphetamines are, and all yeah. that. <laughs> that's, I think that's Lloyd Bridges. That I'm is looking, Lloyd Bridges. You're right. If only it's we not. had a, if we only had a way to look up stuff like this. Oh, yeah. we, we, we do. Cross reference. Yeah, Robert Stack is his name. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. Stack. Yeah. oh yes. The, uh, he was the captain in The High and the Mighty. And, yeah. uh, he has that very distinct on. voice. Yes, yes. He was awesome. Wasn't he and also the guy on the... Airplane Caddyshack. Well, didn't he do that like crime drama on TV, whatever that was, too? Yeah, it was like uh, uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that was, it. That was it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he has oh. a very distinct voice. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I got to correct myself. It's... Uh, 12 o'clock high is what's in my queue, not high in the mic. 12, that's another good yeah. one. Oh, okay. We should just do an episode on movies. Aviation oh, yeah. movies. Cool. Yeah, great, cool aviation movies. But uh, anyway, great book. You're going to love it, Lynn. And you're going to give us a book report afterwards? Eventually. I read at a uh, first grade level, so it takes me two years to get through a book. Wow. First grade? Yeah. That's a little high. Uh, um, <laughs> well, that's why I see. That's why I'm good at flying airplanes because it's pictures and knobs, and there's not a lot of there's not a lot of uh, reading that's involved. Quit picking on Lynn, Carl. <laughs> Usually we pick on you, so it's fair. You know, know it's really open it season. Fair it's game. fair. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is fair. So uh, anyway, well, great. Did that I get my pick? Uh, no, no, no. You got to talking about Gosh. movies. What is your Seniors. Carl? What's your pick of the week? You know, I have a great pick of the week actually. Do you? you know, we we Are you talk tell about. Us? We, Yes, I okay. will tell you now, finally. The, <laughs> he will tell us now. I will tell you. And don't hide it. There, there's, You know, we talked about news, and one of my favorite sources of news, even though it started off really as more of a plane spotting website where you can find out where to spot planes and there's pictures on there, probably one of the, I think, one of the best places for aviation news as far as airlines, et cetera, and the big news items is NYC Aviation. And it's oh, nycaviation.com. Yeah. And that's actually where I get all my information about the new livery for American Airlines, the 787. And it's the – because I don't – I'm not big in airline news and and that's like my source right there of airline news. I do all sorts of things for GA news. But uh, I'm sure there's other ones that are out there. But it's the one that I go to first. And I really suggest people to go out there because it's really well done. And this has polls from a lot of sources and has nice pictures. Right. NYCAviation.com. The After Landing Checklist. Sean, we haven't had you on here before. Do tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you. Sure. I'm on Twitter. uh, I'm uh, at Aviation, um, and that's S-E-A-N. The whole thing is A-V-I-A-S-E-A-N. I'm try to stay fairly active on there, so look me up, follow me. I'll follow you, and we'll talk about airplanes. Awesome. Rick. R. Felty on Twitter, R. D. Felty on YouTube, and RotationSpeed.com. Carl. You can find me at my blog at ExpertAviator.com or at uh, my podcast, AviationCareersPodcast.com. And I'm on Twitter as at Len Costa, also the usual voice for Stuck Mike Avcast. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. There's a lot of new fun things going on over there, some new photos and commentary from, uh, well, you know, whatever I can find. So check us out there. And, uh, again, try out that new voicemail feature on the website, stuckmikeavcast.com. When you visit the website, there is a tab on the right-hand side of the screen that says send us a voicemail. You click a button. You talk in blankly into the sky, and uh, we receive it, and we can share your feedback, questions, or comments here on the air. So for myself, Len Costa, Carl Valeri, Rick Felty, and our 
uh, stunt double, we'll call him the stunt double <laughs> co-host, uh, Sean Moody. We thank you all for tuning into this episode, episode number 41 of the Stuck Mike Avcast. And we all wish you guys clear skies and calm winds. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Abcast is an aviation podcast brought to you by thepilotreport.com, a Len Costa Production.